Hello, welcome to Liverpool Podcast. I'm Andy Kelly. I'm joined by James Pearce and by Christian Walsh. Uh, we're here to reflect on Jurgen Klopp's first defeat as Liverpool manager uh, against Crystal Palace on Sunday, uh, talk through some injury news and look ahead through the international uh, break. Uh, some news to report. We did have one complaint about our last podcast, which was that I am too loud and Neil Jones is too quiet. So we did the only thing possible and Jones is out. Um, also need to uh, report that anyone who leaves this podcast early will be named and shamed by the Liverpool manager. Uh, right, on to Crystal Palace on Sunday. Piercy, it was frustrating because Liverpool had more than enough chances to win the game, but we couldn't quite get to that uh, 13th unbeaten game. Yeah, well, it was it was a frustrating afternoon all round. I think um, you know, I think fatigue certainly played a part. I think you know, I know Klopp was adamant in the build up to the game that um, you know, it, it it wouldn't, and that playing such a strong team in Kazan um, wouldn't have an impact. But you know, I, I think it's it's just common sense. I think there was sixty hours between when they touched down at John Lennon Airport and when they kicked off against Palace, and uh, you know, that, all that you know, five thousand mile round trip, all that travel. Playing on a really difficult pitch on a freezing cold night in Russia, um, you know, I think that was bound to have an impact, and you could see it in that first half an hour because Liverpool started really, really slowly. Um, you could see that Palace had, had the benefit of a full week to prepare. Um, having gone behind, I think you know it was a sloppy goal to concede. I thought once Liverpool gone behind, you know, that gave them you know that kick up the backside probably they needed, um, and I was impressed with them. I think you know they obviously got, got back on level terms through Coutinho, and at that point. You know, they had a really good spell just before half time and probably first 15, 20 minutes in the second half where you thought you know, probably go on and win this two or three one. Um, but you know, the chances just wouldn't go in. Benteke had one of those afternoons where he it was it just wouldn't go for him. I think he 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 was left to rue some of the chances that, that that came his way and um and then you just you just feared for Liverpool a bit the longer the second half went on because obviously Klopp you know he was big and bold the way that he that he took off Chan and, and put on Firmino, but it did mean the game became so stretched and so open. Uh, and in the end, Liverpool got done by a set piece. But um, yeah, disappointing um, go, to go into the international break on a low. But you know, it, it wasn't that bad a performance. I think you know, I, I think Liverpool will, you know Liverpool will play play probably worse than that and, and win games this season. It was. Just one of those days when they couldn't take their chances and they paid the price for giving away two really sloppy goals. Christian, everyone's been on board with Klopp Mania since he arrived. You know, is this a, an opportunity for us to say maybe the manager got it wrong on Sunday? He decided, you know, uh, the obvious choice was to put on Joe Allen, I suppose, when Emre Chan came off. Now, I don't think anyone would argue with Chan going off. He, he looked tired. He'd had a, a big game in, uh, in Russia. Um, and he was having one of those days as well, obviously at fault for the goal. Um, but he went with Firmino, obviously someone who who potentially can unlock a defence and can score a goal himself. Um, are you happy that he sort of gambled, went into that four-one-four-one, or or would you have gone for something more solid with Joel? Well, I think hindsight says that he got it wrong, but I mean, I, I doubt there was a, there was many in the grounds when uh, Roberto Firmino was coming on he, he would have turned the nose up at it it was it was quite refreshing to see a manager say I'm not going to go like for like here there's there's obviously gaps Palace are going forward and they're leaving gaps so we're going to exploit them it was quite nice to see such an attack and change now you know you, you could argue the build up to the corner that eventually leads to Palace's goal it you know needs a Chan or an Allen there but at the end of the day it was 1-1 and, and what 
did for Liverpool was the fact that uh, it was a sloppy defender from a set piece. Now, I don't think Joe Allen would have made much difference there, to be honest. Um, Liverpool looked a lot better on the front foot when uh, Firmino came on as well. I mean, I thought Chan had a poor game and he needs to be taken off anyway. Um, it was just, you know, it, it was nice to see that that the manager's willing to, to, to you know, go for the three-point draft and maybe grind out the one. Uh, so, I mean, you know, hindsight can say he got it wrong and, you know, there's, there's a few other things that, I mean, if we're going to talk about things that Klopp got wrong, you could, you could probably point to the to the team selection in Kazan, not necessarily the team that he put out there, but the fact that there was a number of first teamers on the bench. You obviously didn't get used. I think that was Coutinho on the bench for Kazan, yeah. um, and he and he didn't come on. Obviously, he was holding an injury. But in, if that's the case, you you just keep him. You keep him at home. Um, there was a couple of players like that that you know maybe could have stayed at home. Um, so if you're talking about mistakes, that that was for me his mistake. But you know, bringing Firmino on. It's one of those things. It's a roll of the dice, and it didn't quite work. It'll work many times for him, I think, in, in the future. James, you're the only one of the three of us who made the long journey to to Kazan. I mean, my feeling was that that a Klopp wants to sort of try and get momentum into the club in terms of treating that game really importantly, but also that he wanted to try and get sort of retake control of their own destiny in the yeah. group. And he, um, albeit that you know, you could argue that it's contributed to. Uh, to a defeat against um, a Palace, but that's something that could easily have happened if he'd left a, you know, a, you know, a few at home, as Christian says, he could have done, um, you know, but it could just have happened even if he if he had, and uh, he, he has now got that control of that Europa League group from that, from that game on Thursday. Yeah, I, I must admit, I I was I, I was, I, I don't think you can criticise him really for going that strong, Kazan. I, I think you're right. I think the situation in the group meant that he had to. You know, it was. It was a big game, you know, in the context of the group. I think, you know, the frustration is that Liverpool found themselves in that position, having failed to win any of their first three games in the group. You know, they they should have been in a in a situation where they could have looked at Kazan as, as maybe not a, a gimme or one to just throw away, but one where it, it wasn't pivotal. But the fact is, if Liverpool had gone there with a weakened team and, and been beaten, you know, they'd have they'd have faced a real uphill battle to to qualify for the last thirty two. So. Yeah, I have some sympathy with him on that score because I think I think it yeah it was about obviously it was about maintaining momentum, but it was also about ensuring that Liverpool advance in the competition because he, he's made absolutely you know crystal clear that he intends to treat the Europa League very seriously. Um, and you know the, the the positive thing is that you know I, that's the only really horrible long trip that Liverpool have have got. I think obviously they've got they've got Bordeaux at home, Sion away. You know if you beat Bordeaux at home, then Sion away doesn't. Doesn't really matter, um, <clears throat> so yeah. So I think yeah, I think it was it, it was just one. Of, it was just an unfortunate situation that, that that was that was what he inherited in the group, um, and and he had to go strong. Liverpool got the job done in Kazan, but I think in the back of your mind you're always thinking, will Liverpool pay a price for this come Sunday afternoon? And I, th- I think that's how it turned out. Christian, the 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 hangover from uh, Europe. Uh, was highlighted by Neil Mellor in his Echo column uh, on, on on Friday, talking about I think it was nine out of the last ten European games when we've when we've played afterwards we've we failed to win. Uh, and you can add another one onto that, obviously on on, on Sunday. Um, it's difficult to know. We want to be in Europe, uh, uh, pre- presumably. Um, it's just about having a strength of squad that will enable you to make make changes. And at this stage, uh, given the situation we've got into the group. Perhaps Klopp didn't think he was able to, to to do that. Well, certainly, I mean injuries and and also just the general setup of the squad at the moment. A lot of people have commented, rightly so, I think that the 
you know the makeup of the squad feels a little bit unbalanced when you look at it now. And obviously, you know, you, yes, they've had injuries, but in general, he likes to play with with a wide player, Klopp, and he's only really got Jordan Ibe to do that. Um, obviously, Milner suffered an injury over there, and he sort of, you know, he joined Liverpool. He didn't join Liverpool. He's playing the right wing, put it that way. Um, so. Yeah, it's it is a difficult balancing act. That it wasn't it wasn't necessarily a criticism. I was I was more making the point, you know, if if you are going to criticise him, you certainly don't criticise what he did at Anfield. Yeah. Um, on Sunday, it's. I mean, the problem is as well. You Palace won the worst teams you can play. I mean, obviously there's the. I was thinking that it's just that team with that pace yeah. and the way they're set. Their away record is phenomenal, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. They just they just hit you on the counter yeah. so well. It is. Uh, funnily enough, apparently, I, I think I saw a stat by one of the cha- one of their first chances at Anfield was their first chance made on the counter attack this season, which baffles me because they seem so quick and so direct. They get the ball, they play this weird four four two formation. The, the the quick players go out wide, and you don't know, really know where how to track them or where to track them. Yeah. So I mean, obviously, there was a whole the whole problem of the the bogey team and and that sort yeah. of hoodoo um, over, over Palace. Uh, well, Palace is over Liverpool, but you know, in in terms of a setup of a team, the, the physical, the quick, and you know, you would much rather have you know, no disrespect intended, a West Brom at home than a Crystal Palace at home, because even though they're in similar situations in the table, because one of them, you know, West Brom are very dynamic, and and you can probably get away with with tired legs, whereas Palace yeah. are going to punish it, and Pardew did that from from the outset. So, you know, yeah. maybe as you go forward. You look at the sort of what what the Thursday game is, and then what the Sunday game is in terms of the opposition there. Because you know, as I say, if you're playing a West Brom, I think Liverpool get away with that. Yeah, I mean, they carry a threat, don't they, Crystal Palace? And uh, um, it was just annoying that perhaps only really once or twice on the break there was the uh, the chance that was created for um, I think it was Sacco who put it into yeah, the side so net, and, which was was obviously came from a break. But actually. The, the the frustration was that the two goals came from one from a set piece the winner obviously uh, where we haven't defended brilliantly and, and then obviously a mistake in the box that you know really should have just you know chance tried to overplay there in the box and um, set pieces James both ends of the pitch um, are you know a concern because yeah. I think we saw five corner takers for Liverpool on Sunday um, there were a couple of decent corners I think I was probably responsible for. for for them, yeah. uh, Lovren got in the end a couple. Benteke got in the end of, uh, on another day, and the keepers saved a couple on the line. And uh, I think the defender uh, cleared one off just in front of the keeper as well. So it's maybe slightly better than we've seen, but you know we do waste so many uh, by not missing the, the the guy at the front post. Yeah, it's a long-standing issue, isn't it? It's one that Klopp has inherited, and a, you know it's no great surprise he hasn't been able to do anything about it so far, just because. You know what, what does he had seven games in the space of three weeks? You know he's had so little time to work on anything on the on the training ground, but you know I'm sure that wouldn't wouldn't have escaped his attention. Just you know problems at, at both ends of the field, and you you see you know, more than ever in modern football now how, how important set pieces can be. And I think teams do target target Liverpool. I think they do see it as a vulnerability that you can get at them. You know Liverpool aren't the the biggest of, of teams, and I think you know. You, We've seen it time and time again, where you know sometimes Mignolet, um, you know, it, again I think he has improved in terms of commanding his penalty box, but he still does. Came for a few on Sunday, didn't? Yeah, he? he does, and I think you know what, what one of, that's one of the positive things that has changed about him. But I think there's still times where you sense that unease between him and and the players in front of him, um, and and Liverpool do look vulnerable from set pieces. It's you know it happened time and time again. You know, in, in probably the last 
couple of years of, of Rogers' reign, and it's happened a couple of times under Klopp already. And I think it, the, then the, the the kind of what rubs salt into the wounds a little bit is when when Liverpool do get those similar situations, they they don't look anywhere near as threatening. Um, and I think you know the deliveries haven't been good enough. I mean, Milner has taken a lot of Liverpool's corners this season, and I've lost count. Yeah, you're right. The number of times he's failed to beat the first man, and the um, you know, and, and it's such a it's such a waste. And you know, I think Firmino had a go when he came on on Sunday, and he took I think what's known as an Aspas corner late on. Um, and, Copyrighted. Yeah, and it's it is, a, and, and, you know, and I think you know it, it's certainly something Liverpool need to work on. It's not as if. I mean, it's just something that you can easily improve, isn't it? It's just, but it's time on the training ground, and hopefully we'll we'll we'll, we'll see that change under Klopp over the over the coming weeks and months ahead. I just wonder if other teams are as bad, it, you know, because obviously you, you know I watched obviously part of my roles to, to look at Everton as well, and Everton seems to take poor corners when Leighton Baines isn't on the pitch. I just wonder. I mean, obviously there's the fanzine called another waste of corner that used to be sold on outside the cop, but. I just wonder if, if everyone's as bad because you watch them a little bit more, you, you, you notice it, I don't know. You know yeah, the, the other thing is, of course, generally when you see other teams set pieces, you're, you're barring the live games, you're, you're watching it on highlights or match of the day. And when, it's highlights, led to something. when it's led yeah. to something and you tend to think they're more effective. The other thing, it, it is an art form and the other thing is that, of course, probably the perfect corner is the one that just misses the guy at the front post because it's then coming in at, the, at, at head height sort of thing perfectly because you can easily take a corner that you definitely know is going to miss the first man, but it's probably going to be a big airy-fairy one and the keeper's going to come and throw his hat on it. So um, it's maybe not as easy as we think, but certainly uh, some Melwood practice would yeah. go uh, go well, I think. Uh, I want to talk about a couple of players, uh, if we can. Uh, we'll come on to Mamadou Sacco shortly, but uh, on a more positive note, um, maybe I've been Klein perhaps caught the eye I thought on, 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 on Sunday and Klein yeah, had a, he had a great game out in Russia uh, there was that brilliant run uh, on the break where he just came arrived from nowhere it didn't come to anything um, I think Michael Owen on the telly was highlighting uh, Ben Teke's uh, run and going in the wrong place but he's showing tremendous energy down that side and those two are sort of have potentially good partnership there James don't yeah they? I think that really does bode really positively for the, the challenges ahead I think um yeah, Klein. You know, I think he's been excellent since he's he's joined the club. I think it was it was one of those signings last summer that that made perfect sense. And he's you know nothing nothing has changed my mind on that one. I thought you know he, those two were the, certainly head and shoulders above the rest against Palace. Um, Klein really really tight defensively. It was interesting. You know they they had a lot of joy down the other flank. I thought Moreno wasn't great again. Um, but they, they got no change whatsoever. And Nathaniel Klein, I thought going forward, he was a he, he caused them problems as well. Obviously, he was heavily involved in the in Coutinho's equaliser with the with the cross that Lallana flicked on. Um, <clears throat> and then probably yeah, the other big big plus is that is you know we're seeing the resurgence of Jordan Ibe, and uh, you know I, I think you know a lot of supporters would have been worried earlier on in the season because you know I was I was on the tour of the uh, the Far East in Australia back in July. And you know, and he was he was lighting up every single preseason friendly, and you know, all the talk was, you know, f- forget Raheem Sterling, we've got Jordan Ibe. He's, you know, he's I think John Aldridge said in his Echo column as well, you know, he's the perfect replacement. I think Stephen Gerrard came out with similar similar comments as well. And then when the serious stuff started, it was like, oh, you know, it's not quite happening for him. And he he did look like his confidence was absolutely shot to bits. And you know, he, you could see he was he, rather than being bold and 
powerful with his runs. He was trying to take the easy option, looking for the sideways pass and just not having that belief in himself to really get at defenders. I think it was the Arsenal game, wasn't it? He came on as a substitute and just yeah. stunk the place oh, out. Yeah. And he just looked like a completely different player. From yeah, and it, it was it's difficult to put your finger on exactly why why that was the case. But um, you know, as we've seen throughout the squad, really since Klopp has come in, you know, it's, it seems to be a very different mindset to him now. I thought you know he was just the, the way he took his goal in Kazan. I mean, it was obviously a special moment for him getting his first goal, but it was. It was the manner of it, really. The fact that you know, I think it was a little nice little cushion pass from Firmino, and he only had one thing in his mind. And where three or four weeks ago he'd have been looking around and thinking, "Well, help me out here. I need someone to lay a pass to." You know, he strong, purposeful, and 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 delivered a, a great finish. And uh, hopefully now he can kick on. I don't think there's any any. Um, it's no coincidence that he's 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 performing well in. In, in the role that he's playing now. I mean, you have Milner out there, but he was in this weird hybrid Milner, this sort of central midfielder going out wide. He was in a midfield three, and then he drift out wide. And obviously that had good results against Southampton when he puts the ball in for Benteke. But in general, it's just looked a bit odd, to be honest. You know, he sort of joined Shannon Lucas in that midfield three. With Ivy's, you know, you are on the right-hand side, and when you get the ball, you, you give us the whiff. When you get the ball, you go towards goal, and you look to operate in those areas. And I think the team on the front foot looks a lot more improved because of that you know not to use an old Brendanism but it's it's a it's a two and a three rather than a three and a two if yeah. you know what I mean it's 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 it looks a lot better and I think I've contributed towards that. I think what Klopp, he seems to me definitely simplified it for him, hasn't he? He just tried to create, you know, this is what we want from you, go and do it. And what I thought was great was when I tried to take someone on on Sunday and lost the ball, you know, you had you had Klopp clapping furiously on the sideline and that's clear he's been told look don't worry about losing it we'll get it back we can do that we can do it high up the pitch even but uh, um, you know don't worry about that we need you to try and stretch the pitch and take players on uh, Christian I'll come to you for the for the downside though uh, being Mamadou he even manages to increase the legend when he gets injured because <laughs> uh, I mean obviously and who knows whether it was the brightest idea in the world, to it be was. honest with you. I don't think it was, but uh, and who knows whether he overruled the physio or whatever. But uh, obviously injured, tried to come on. Uh, that sort of was a, quite a, a nice moment when he just said no to Lovren. You go sit down. I'm coming back on, and that, you know the, the fans appreciated that. But you know, it looks like we won't have him for around around eight weeks. Yeah, and they'll, they'll miss that side of him as much as anything. You know, obviously he's been he's been brilliant defensively for Liverpool, um, certainly under Klopp. And to be honest, he you know he's, he did, he did absolutely fine under Rodgers as well. But um, certainly towards the latter part of Rodgers' reign. Uh, but you know that that sort of that character and that and that. You know, just that personality, really. It, he, he sort of he's, he's emerged as one of the leaders in the squad under Klopp, and it, you know it's been a big criticism towards Liverpool, certainly in, in recent months, is that they haven't got enough of them. Well, it, in comes Saka, who, who clearly you know he's saluting the cop. He's 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 got a chance, which is you know a bit of a rarity nowadays with with, with the Anfield crowd, even if it is you know very simplistic, and they'll they'll miss that. You know, I think. As much as his, his passing is fantastic most of the time, um, he, he times his tackles well. He's getting better in the air every game, from what I've seen. That's clearly something that he's been developing. They'll just miss, you know, Sacco being there and, and and being that sort of that, that lift for everyone. And uh, you know, it wasn't the wisest thing in the world. Um, you know, again, you could maybe have to ask why Klopp allowed it if he if he had a choice, indeed. But 
at the same time, it it, it is you know endearing once more, and you know at a time when you know several players would would have sort of waved off and said, right, that's me done, been out for three or four weeks. You know, Mamadou Sakho wants to play, and um, you know they, they will miss that. James, he's got he's got a physical presence as a as a man, hasn't he? Sacco, he's one of those, you know, he, you know he, he carries he carries that. We will go almost certainly to Dejan Lovren, you know, the most expensive defender in Liverpool history, as we we often label him. Um, you wrote a piece this morning about uh, you know he needs to see this as a massive positive for him. I'm sure he and Sacco are good friends, and he'll be disappointed for his mate. But this is opportunity knocks time for him, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. Yeah, I think you know Sacco is a huge miss, and uh, you know as it's been a cruel run with the injuries. When you think you know of the form that Danny Ings was in and his season cut short, same with young Joe Gomez who's made such a big impact, um, and and now Sacco has happened to three really key players, and uh, you know he has left the squad short. But yeah, love you know it's what a what a chance it is for Lovren. You know he's he's probably been watching games recently and thinking. I'm probably going to have to settle for the, you know, the League Cup, Europa League, and, and the FA Cup this season because he, you know, he, he's seen Sacco, you know, having having not even featured in the opening few games to to see him cement a place and and and, and do it in such such a commanding fashion as well. Um, he he probably thought he wasn't going to get a look in in terms of the Premier League for quite some time, <clears throat> but uh, suddenly now opportunity does knock for him, and uh, you know I think. I think there has been, I know, you know, he gets a lot of stick, Lovren, and you know, I must admit, I've probably written quite a few critical things of him myself since he's been at the club because you know, he had a disastrous first season at the club. But you know, I, I still hope that he will come good. I think, and you know, I don't think he's a. I remember watching him a lot for Southampton before Liverpool signed him, and I, I was delighted when Liverpool signed him because I thought, you know, he's proven at Premier League level. He's got good experience. Um, he was a good age. He wasn't, you know, a real rookie that they were taking a chance on. Um, and I just think last season, I don't think it was a case of ability. I think it was just mindset. I think he struggled so much with the pressure and expectation of life at Liverpool. You know, Rogers spoke frequently about the weight of the shirt on his shoulders, and I think that pretty much summed Lovren up. I think, you know, I, you know, I don't, I don't think he was quite ready for for, for being in that kind of goldfish bowl. Um, and you know, again this season, he actually started the season really well, and people were talking about, you know, the the rejuvenation of Dejan Lovren, and then obviously West Ham at home happened, and he famously said he wanted to hide under the table, and I think most Liverpool fans wanted to do do likewise. Well, I haven't had to sit through that debacle, but um, but I mean the you know I think I think there's been signs recently of Klopp having an impact on him as well. I think you know you think of the performance against Bournemouth in the League Cup, uh, his performance in Kazan last week was was, was faultless really, so um, so no, hopefully he can step up because. Liverpool are very, very light in that department now. You know, they, thankfully, Colo Torre is back from his hamstring injury quicker than expected. But you know, he, he's down to three senior centre halves, and he, he needs Lovren to deliver for him. I think also as we're pointing out that a uh, Klopp side, I think they set up far more like a Mauricio Pochettino Southampton from 2013-14 than Brendan Rodgers 2014-15. You know, when he signed, when when he signed for Liverpool. The expectation was, well, you know, Liverpool are going to play a high line. They're going to, you know, they're going to be quick to press on the ball and, and all this. And you know, as as we know, it, it it didn't really happen for Liverpool last season in, in that sense. And everything that was working in 2013-14 went out the window. Um, when he excelled for Southampton, I think that's a lot more like the the, the Klopp sides rather than the, the Brendan Rodgers side of last season. So 
you know, if you're looking for optimism, there is that too. You know, his best his best form in the Premier League came playing the sort of football that he'll now be expected to play. The other side of it, of course, is that this, as James mentioned, centre back is a position we don't have a lot of cover on, and you've been musing on that uh, on the echo today. Um, Colo uh, is there as cover, but we know he's not the player he was for all. You know, he's a brilliant personality, uh, and you know, he's every time he's sort of come back, he keeps getting these niggly injuries. He says because he hasn't been playing, so it's 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 sort of you know, it's difficult to to see whether there's a lot of help there, and and then obviously. At the under twenty ones, uh, you know, a few players there, but perhaps no one that jumps out as you has been has been ready yet, Christian. No, no, not at all. I mean, it's a, it's a big ask. I mean, you don't really get young centre backs coming through now anyway. You look at uh, Manchester United; they tried Van Hal tried with McNair and Blackett last season, and it was a disaster. Um, very, very few players can come in at the age of 19, 20, 21 and, and, and be a central defender at a top Premier League club. It just doesn't happen anymore. Uh, John Stones is the is probably the, the one exception I can think of, and he's, he really is a special player. Um, so, you know, you've got players like Tom Brewer, who was the under 18s captain last season. You've got uh, Conor Masterson, who, who's even younger. Um, you have da- Daniel Cleary, who's, who played over in the tour in the summer. but you know, none of them you would you would not want Liverpool to be to be throwing these in, especially if it's off the bench. If you know, who knows what can happen the way Liverpool's injuries are going. But let's say Torre and Lovren both get injured. I mean, Liverpool have got one recognisable centre back then in Martin Skirtle, and you know, I, I think they would be forced to to look for other solutions other than the academy. As much as Klopp's you know mentality is is you know let's let's promote the the, the youth and let's let's give them a, a platform to build on. It's a lot easier to do if they're attacking players and there's there's players to mop up behind them than you're the last line of defence and if you make a mistake it could be absolutely uh, vital. So I think you're more likely to see maybe Emery Chan drop back or I've even mentioned Lucas as a, as a potential just because I think you need that that experience there. We should move on to events off the pitch event and in fact events almost out of the stadium as uh, as uh, as Klopp mused uh, in his post-match press conference um, I felt alone uh, out there he said as the uh, as people headed for the exits after that Palace winner on the 82nd uh, minute note uh, I'm sure most people uh, listening to this would be are obviously big fans of the club and would probably be thinking you know this why why ever would you leave the game early um there's loads of different reasons that people give for it christian but you know is it ever right to to, to leave early unless you know emergencies uh, aside i mean look you you, you pay your money you can do what you want you know if you paid the 50 pounds i mean i think one of the big problems nowadays is is, is the price of the ticket because you know th- this is basically it's a big event, and and if you're paying fifty pound, I think it's fifty two pound top price. If you're paying fifty two pound a ticket, you know, you can do whatever you want with that. You know, it it it's it's completely up to you. Um, if you're paying fifty two pound, it should not be your role to cheer on a load of professional footballers. It's not. But shouldn't the it? Days. But uh, but you say I'd argue it should still should be. I I don't think that's the mentality of many people now. I I don't think I think it's. It, and, you know, let's get this straight. I mean, I wasn't around back then, but the cop on the 70s and 80s wasn't this magical place that people always make out from what from what my granddad told me, you know, God rest her soul. It was always, uh, it was always the sort of, you know, you'd have your 2-0 you know, wins and the cop was silent. You know, it wasn't this, you know, you look at the black and white videos on YouTube of them all singing, she loves you, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
didn't used to happen every week in week out. Didn't, but I think we can. Yeah, we can. We can go back. 10, 15, you know, 10, 15, 20, you know, 20 years and, 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 uh, uh, and it, w- it was definitely a lot better than it is, not, is, is now, James. And this, this, you know, we're sort of, there's two issues here. There's the leaving early issue, but I think that's part of the our sort of wider malaise, yeah. which will have to be addressed about what's happening at Anfield. And, you know, we haven't got time here to go through all those issues. This, it's certainly something that we will do in the future, but... Um, you know, for such a, a great a great club that we we all follow, um, it, it's it's you know it's frustrating to you know hear the uh, the you know every every other week to hear you know is this a library from the the, the hilarious comedians in the way and you think they're being original, but you know, uh, and we know Anfield still has the capacity to get itself up, and I guess we're really hoping that clock can produce a team that will really reinvigorate the, the stadium again. <laughs> yeah, I think I mean, it was interesting speaking to a, a Dortmund journalist yesterday who who, um, who, who followed Klopp's reign throughout his, his seven years there, and he said what would have, you know, he said it would have shocked him genuinely, he said, because it just didn't happen at Dortmund. He said, you know, the, the, the culture over there <laughs> is to get in the ground early, you know, 45 minutes before the game, um, to welcome the players on for the warm-up and quite often to stay around for 15, 20 minutes after the game has finished. He said, you know, if they win, the, the players come back out and, you know, they'll serenade them with songs and, and all the rest of it. Um, and so he said, you know, the idea that you'd get off, especially when a game was that close, 2-1 down with seven, eight minutes to go, he said just wouldn't happen. I mean, it's, it's, it's I don't think it's a, it's a new thing, really. I mean, I've, I've got a mate, Pete, that I used to go to the game with and he used to always get off after 85 minutes regardless and I could never get my head around it I've never left the game early and I, I just don't understand you know hit for him the idea of getting stuck in traffic was worse than the missing a goal yeah, I, I put the question that then did, if Liverpool had scored that goal in the 82nd, 82nd minute and gone 2-1 up would we if for for all the the thoughts on traffic and 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 things like this, those are going to be the same whether you're winning or losing. So would we have seen the uh, the similar exodus to, to, that 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 we saw? I mean, I didn't, I didn't think it was a, a mass was, exodus. I, I, no, I thought it was certainly it was by his dugouts. I think that was the thing. Yeah. There's a shot on television afterwards on the highlights, and he look and, and you know the dugouts there and the paddocks behind them. And you know I think the paddock are quite frequently leaving early. Yeah. I think he turns around and two of the rows are empty. Yeah, I think it was more what was his immediate. But would they have been empty if Liverpool were two one up and potentially heading for three points and you know thirteen matches unbeaten and you know th- this is this is my point because uh, what I'm wondering whether is it an indication of of uh, annoyance or frustration at what they're seeing on the pitch, or is it simply the practicalities of I want I want to get a dart. I think it I think it'll only be a, those seats would only be uh, taken for another three minutes. I think on on eighty five or wherever they're still going. I think in the mentality of the early darters, a goal goes in on 82. They see a couple of people leave and think, oh, the traffic's going to be terrible on 90. So they get, they get off there. You know, yeah. I mean, the big, the big problem, as James spoke to, to the Dortmund journalist, and you know, they get in early because you can drink yeah. under the stands and, and, and you can see, drink yeah. in your seats as yeah. well. And they stay there afterwards because they keep the bars open. The well, you can get a pint at Anfield. Uh, Before, in, I'm not, yeah. no, no, certainly not like, when on you do it. Yeah. yeah, I'm not saying everyone you know has a bevy at the, at the game necessarily, but you know, I think that's a bit there's that big culture in Germany. And after the game, they, they keep the bars open. I think in Dortmund and, and then certainly in the Bundesliga, whereas in Liverpool, the sing fongs more full than the cop. On 90, you know, <laughs> I mean, the, the, you know, Klopp clearly thinks it sends the wrong message to yeah. the players on the pitch, and he thinks these are games these 
small details, those eight, nine minutes or whatever, plus injury time or games where, you know, one point can be turned to three, no points can be turned into one. Yeah, and I think he's he's massive. I mean, you only have to look at the things he said when he was at Dortmund and what he said since he's come to Liverpool. He's massive on this idea that, you know, the, the players give energy to the fans and the fans give energy to the players and this, you know, we're one powerful united force where everyone's pulling in the same direction and, and you know, nothing is impossible until the final whistle goes. And obviously, for him, the sight of fans leaving early would have really irked him because he's thinking, well, no, I need you. You know, I need... Because this game's still going on. You can still make a difference and inspire and motivate these players to, to, to dig a result out of here. Um, so, you know, I, I thought... You know, I, I, I quite like the idea that he, he brought it up because I think it will definitely make people think twice. My, my worry is that it has given... Opposition fans a stick, uh, another stick to beat um, the Anfield crowd with because we all know Ferguson had a had Pop a go. Is right, your fans. Are, uh, yeah, yeah, you know that 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 ar- football fans aren't. You know, we, we we know that Everton and Man United fans were absolutely delighted on Sunday night when he had a go <laughs> with the fans because uh, our own uh, Neil Jones, who I mentioned earlier, uh, tweeted the line. I felt alone. And he started trending in Manchester on Twitter <laughs> because of it. So, um, you know. It is going to get picked up by opposition fans, and, and Klopp's going to have to know that you know he did that. Uh, uh, and what I do think, though, is that you know a few late winners, uh, you know, if he can turn this into a side that you know, uh, you know, one of those sides that that can turn games around late, then uh, I think that the number who will be departing early will 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 go down. And to be fair to Klopp, it wasn't like he. He had a go with the fans. He, he didn't want to make it. No, make a big deal of it. An issue. And he actually said it's the responsibility of, of the, the players, team yeah. to make the fans want to stay to the very end. So, you know, I think. Yeah, Rogers said that sort of stuff about creating an atmosphere. I didn't believe him, and I don't believe Klopp. <laughs> um, and to be honest, because I, I just think he's, he 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 didn't want to make a big issue. I think he knew what happens in in, in the press when I was in it. It was as soon as he said it, then there was a second question about it and he instantly knew, oh, that's going to be the headline. Yeah. And he, he sort of came back from it and said, oh, I don't want to, I'm not angry, I don't want to be... But I, I think at that at that stage, you know, my, my fear is the damage uh, has that's been true. done. I, I think you're right, I think it was something that had to be raised. But, and... but, it, but if it keeps a couple of more people in the seats, fair play, because, yeah. I mean, as I say, I, I, you know, it's, it's their choice, but it's something I can't... I personally couldn't get my head around. You don't leave the theatre early, you don't leave the usual suspects not knowing who Kaiser Sozi is. You know, it's not that you know you you don't you don't do that. You paid your money. I don't I don't see why you, why you wouldn't stay. But um, you know, if it, if his comments inadvertently do lead to an extra couple of hundred people staying and and cheering the team on, then that can't be a bad thing. Well, we're glad uh, you've stuck it out to the end, all all three of you, whoever number out there. <laughs> Thanks very much for listening. We'll be back next week to uh, keep you going through the international break. Uh, this has been your Liverpool FC podcast. Thanks for joining us. Nu 2 gig data met een 0 minuten bel- en sms-bundel voor maar 9 euro per maand. Omdat het kan. Check tele2.nl voor de beste deal voor jou. Niet omdat het moet, maar omdat het kan.